Hey now, welcome back to season three of the podcast. We are up to chapter 18 and once upon a rhyme and simply put, Oski and Ellie are about to go on their first date. Chapter 18, The Big Game. Oski stood cautiously outside Ellie's car, strangely uncertain of the most chivalrous route to take. He took in the powder blue Toyota RAV4, one of the new hybrids. He never paid much attention to cars, but noted how much it matched Ellie the best mix of spicy and cool he had seen. Well, Ellie shot him a shrug. Get in, silly. Oski waited for her invitation and then sat down and belted up gingerly, wanting somehow to make every move perfect. She was easing out on the highway as he was easing into the idea of being alone in the car with her for the next 90 minutes or so. He nervously woke his phone and tapped the email from Detay in his inbox. It led with the title of, You to Man. But then in an all-capped first sentence, it said, Hey, if you're reading this on your date, stop right now and pay attention to her while you have a chance. Read this after. Oski couldn't help but giggle and shoved the phone into the seat between his legs, thankful for the timely manhood tip from his friend. Couldn't wait to read Dite's email, eh? Ellie wanted in on the joke. Yeah, but he's just trying to be funny. Emphasis on the word trying. Oski was further grateful for the icebreaker and decided he would use the topic of D further for an easy conversation. You didn't take long at St. Vincent's. Is it all settled with Boo? You staying with Dite for $200, Alex? She thought herself cute with her Jeopardy reference and in her attempt at humor to calm their nerves. Oski still felt butterflies, but he agreed with the first part. Actually, Dee did most of the talking, and he said some pretty remarkable things, she said thoughtfully. He's very ready to be a dad. I figured you guys hashed it out on the way up. Not too much. Oski tried to paraphrase his car ride with Detay to sound more romantic than it had been. Color me selfish, but I guess I was a little preoccupied with you, and he was more than happy to rib me about it. Now he thought himself cute by slipping in a subtle flirtation. She caught it, but just smiled ambiguously for now. Well, Dee said it's been weighing on his mind a long while. He said his old coach taught him that a man's heart has room for three kinds of love. There's love of your fellow man, the desire to make the world a better place, which he said he gets through teaching and coaching. Then he said there's the love for your mate, and he knows without a doubt that he loves Mary Beth more than any man has ever loved anything. She smiled softly. He said it with such conviction, almost made me cry on that one. And then he said the love of family, and that includes the people you're given to start with and the ones you find along the way. She turned to look Oski in the eye for the first time since getting in the car. He included you in that, Oski, and I think he almost cried at that point. He said a man's heart requires you to find those people, your family, and share life with them. And he has no doubt that Boo is part of that family, a kid just like him, perfectly aligned to replace family he's lost over the years and fill open spaces in his heart. And then he just said, Ellie, if I complete all three of those loves, my heart will be full. Oski couldn't quite recall the first time he had heard about a man's three loves. His guess was a Little League dugout with Hollis around the age of 12, 
but he most definitely knew he liked the way he had just heard it best. He spoke up only when he noticed that the melody of her voice had stopped. That coach was my dad. Really, I wondered. She offered Oski the chance to engage. Your dad and Dee were close. Oski had often been proud of his father and all he had provided, but he had a hard time believing Hollis was reaching down at that moment to help him on his date, though it seemed he was. Dad loved him some detail for sure, and he was a man of many words. Dee's always been a good egg, and I think he was kind of a blank slate when Dad found him. So Dite seemed to sponge up everything Dad said over the years. I think Dad filled a gap for Dee in the same way Dee was talking to you about Boo. I was curious as to Marybeth's take. Did he mention her at all? Oski had just seen Marybeth the night before, but did slightly wonder if she was on board. She hadn't offered to come to St. Vincent's that morning, and she always played things close to the vest. That was just her way. She'll be there Monday at the custody hearing. Dee said she's excited. Ellie grew more animated, too. It sounded like she has the same counseling or coaching gene. They both enjoy kids so much, and Dee said they both believe the best chance to express all they have to give would be through their own child. They've been about to have their own anyway, so Boo is right on time. If she was selling them as perfect parents or selling anything else for that matter, Oski was long since sold. The thought in his head was, you had me at the Jeopardy reference. But he held that in not to dishonor her with a half-witted joke. He already considered her very presence sacred. On three occasions as she spoke, Oski had managed to glide his eyes over her profile, watching the choreography of her face. Her mouth outlined words that her eyes filled in with emotion, and he could imagine tracing her temples and ears, caressing through them to the high-powered brain crunching her thoughts. As his gaze alighted on her sensuous neck, he knew she would be most wonderful to make love to, and he took every mental snapshot he could before she ever noticed his stare. They'll be great for sure, but with all that talking, Oski said as he put his new photo album of Ellie away, and pictured the Taylor home soon to be plus one. Bless Boo's heart. The two of them laughed in unison. Well, you're a coach too, mister, she retorted. How does Turbo handle all your stories? It is nice to have a captive audience sometimes, I guess. Oski conceded his chattiness, but wouldn't take all the credit. I think coaches, teachers, lawyers, even social workers like you, all the talking professions, like to believe if they talk enough... They just might say something extraordinary that makes a difference. But I made a pact with Turbo, trying never to be like Charlie Brown's teacher. I'm his dad 24-7 and am there for anything he asks. But for practices and games, I try to let people like D coach him and I coach everyone else. Too much of the same voice can get tuned out. I don't imagine you've turned into a rabid cheer mom with Lee. Ellie cackled at that notion and her spontaneous, adorable response sent a tickle through Oski, one he could identify only as the warm, fuzzy feeling he got from his favorite chai tea. Law, as Ellie let her inner Kentucky out, I'm moral support only, unless she ever drops her pom-poms for a basketball, scored 2,000 points, and have a daughter that can't dribble and chew gum. I sure don't have enough coaching in me to fix that. She was still laughing. Speaking of basketball... Take a gander over there. 
Ellie pointed out the arena in the nearby skyline and ducked the car into a parking garage. The game altered the date's dynamic from conversational to physical. Walking in, Oski weighed the distance close enough to smell the fragrance of her skin and far enough to still see the curves of her hips. A close game ensued, and they stood or sat or screamed, but all the while he stole unseen seconds to study every molecule that made her. Ellie quivered during a late-game free throw, as if she were still playing and taking the important shot herself, and Oski quivered when she grabbed his hand to steady herself as the shot went in. Then came overtime, granting more minutes in a seat beside her, and though Oski had predicted the Kentucky win beforehand, and they did indeed end up with more points, it felt like all the winning was his. Hold up. Ellie screamed and was springing through the crowd to the exits, pulling Oski by the hand. She dodged a line of fans and darted across the concourse to an ice cream stand, which was about to close. You gotta have this. Best ice cream ever. Promise. She dragged out the words for effect. Seriously, dude, this stuff is world famous. I had this in high school whenever we'd come to the state tournament here. Was my annual treat. She was genuinely joyous as she handed a cone to Oski. Want to race? Oski scoffed, as if to say both, are you serious? And, please, woman, you're outside your mind if you think you can beat me. Have at it, sister. Let's go. And the two dug in industriously while walking to the car. There were some smudges of cream on their noses and cheeks, but the ice cream was devoured far too fast for any to drip on their hands. Oski laughed while launching the last of his cone into his mouth, she had still several bites to go, and though he helped wipe her face as a good sport, he could tell her disappointment was kind of real. She had been raised on competition too, and the stakes, no matter how small or tasty or fun, didn't matter. Hey, I should have warned you, I never lose at ice cream. Dite and Turbo both admit I'm weirdly skilled at such. Ellie chuckled again bending over not to laugh, the last of the cone up her nose. Well, get this. I thought I was being sneaky. Lee and all her friends considered me unbeatable, too. Hard to believe that the two ice cream champs of Wilmington had never met up for a contest, eh? There were so many things going through Oski's mind that were hard to believe. He struggled to process it all on the drive home. Her beauty, her humor, the competition, even the ice cream. She was enchanting to all his senses. Was there nothing wrong with her? And how, when he could find no imperfections, could she somehow be more lovely and charming every time he saw her? He had suspected he could love her at the courthouse just five days ago, and now four visits later, she had warmed his heart to bubbling over, such that the steam from the heat had obscured every other fan at the game. He had seen no one, absolutely no one, in a sea of thousands but her. Was this how they said love melted a man? Darkness fell on their return drive, and in a silent moment, Oski reopened his phone and the earlier email from Detay, thinking he would post him an update. But D, as usual, had said enough for both of them. After the initial all-capped warning to stay focused on Ellie, the email offered, My only advice, when you know, you know. Don't overthink it. And then, putting it into three things, the way Hollis always liked to, 
Dite wrote. So it's one, don't let this distract from your date. Two, don't overthink. And three, since limericks were good enough for Hollis, here you go. I ask you not to think, but feel instead. Please see that it's not hard, just like I said. Be any ghost, it's not a crime, but catch Miss Pac-Man one damn time. You are worthy of more, keep that in your head. Oski had openly absorbed the events of the day, including Dite's heartfelt encouragement, and the ardor stirred by Ellie had overwhelmed him. He could feel the plane of his heart taking off, but how could the issue not warrant at least some intellectual debate? Shouldn't he at least explore the possible destination? If this was his miracle on 34th Street, if this was to prove that real love, in place of Santa, existed and was for him, how could this trial of the century go off without at least some witnesses or argument? He had Dite's testimony, and he knew Bell believed he and Ellie were similar souls who would be lucky to have each other. But he had an extra 90 minutes heading past St. Vincent's all the way to Wilmington, and he mulled in that time whether to delve into the positions of the protagonists themselves. His thoughts on Ellie rolled in furiously. She was the most astonishing of girls, easy to talk to and fun to be around, a good listener, kind and considerate, with the most infectious laugh he'd ever heard. This girl was robust, refined, and real all at once, the kind of beauty and poise that rose above any circumstance. It was just there. Quite simply, he was looking at the sweetest, smartest, and sexiest woman he'd ever seen, all in one package, sitting two feet away from him, and he had known it instantly. He could love her anew, and yet as if he always had. As Dite put it, when you know, you know. Yes, the prosecution's case was fierce, but the defense had the benefit of precedent. After all, the plane of Oski's heart had never landed on the Isle of True Love. It had always crashed and burned, usually due to pilot error. Yes, the spark of love was new and fun, but how would Ellie fare when Oski's thought traps grabbed her and pulled her down? When he woke up determined to be disinterested while trying to choke emotion and her out of his life? Or when he remembered he hadn't lived a life deserving of such luck or joy? And that the very thought of that unworthiness, the lack of gratitude for Ellie's affection would render Oski that much more unworthy. The defense was right. Oski's mind would try to trample over his heart or have it framed as a fraud, and thus became the comedy of Oski's first kiss from Ellie, the last first kiss he intended to ever have. By the time Ellie pulled them into Oski's driveway, somewhere around 10 p.m., Oski had reached his verdict to give up. In a deluded sense of self-righteousness and martyrdom, he couldn't digest the potential harm to Ellie. She was too precious to be polluted by his inevitable plane crash. No way she heard all this baggage and still wanted him anyway. So they sat there in her car, faces inches apart, while Oski emptied out every thought in his head. All of it. Just as he had thought it through on the way home. But somewhere in the trial's play-by-play, just after Oski let loose the stirrings in his heart, but before he could ruin it with the reasons in his brain, Ellie pounced. 
She had drifted closer, slowly, thinking him cuter and more lovable with every word, until they were nose to nose, even as he rambled on unaware, hell-bent on saving them from destruction. Instead, ironically, without one word, Ellie did all the saving with a kiss. She overcame Oski with sensation, and he could literally feel her love through her lips. It obliterated all his thoughts, leaving him with the spellbinding allure of her gentle sounds and smell and skin. He had never wanted more eyes, some to close while lost in her sensuous kiss, and some to open to record her every move, or more hands to feel every inch of her simultaneously. Very few people know how or why a first kiss ends, at least for those kisses of true love, because the concept of time ceases to exist in that dimension. In fact, real lovers can recreate those kisses in their mind's eye at a moment's notice so vividly, it's as if that first kiss never ended at all. Oski stood there in his driveway, still kissing Ellie even as she drove away, able to nail down only two other things. He adored her, and she had no holes whatsoever. Okay, it's a wrap on chapter 18. Oski and Ellie have sealed their first date with a kiss. And we have two chapters to go, so we'll talk to you soon.